It's Tuesday, January 22nd, 1901, and the Queen is dead. The then longest reigning British monarch, Queen Victoria, has taken her final breath just over the finish line of the new century. The Dubuque Daily Telegraph writes, Her demise causes universal sorrow, and the free press of Eaton, Pennsylvania says there's a deep gloom in London as sorrowing crowds fill the street of the metropolis. But the Queen is just one person, and her death is just one death. January 22nd is an eventful day in history. In 1898, total solar eclipse. In 1905, the failed Bloody Sunday in Russia of uprisings against the Tsar. And then in 1973, Roe v. Wade was also passed on January 22nd. A legendary day. Big events. Some might say noteworthy even. But we're not here to talk about that. (laughs) Welcome to another news. This podcast where we try to just look at all the coolest stuff in history that no one talks about. There are lives that are found in between the lines of history books that are just as important for a lot of people, and they were worthy enough to print in some newspapers. And you know what? We're going to talk about that. Right, Alina? Right, Luis. Can't wait. We're diving into history, (laughs) the stuff that nobody cares about or talks about, but we care about because we got time on our hands. Exactly. By the way, I'm Luis Mejia. On the other end, we've got Elena Richards. Who are we? Just some kids. Really, some people that just care a lot about history. We went to college together, right, Elena? That's correct. That's, I think that's our entire qualification. We are college educated. We have degrees, and we just like to talk about the fact that we are overqualified and undercompensated. Exactly. But you know what? I did study journalism and you did communication stuff, right? Yes, we are in our field. And we both love history. We kind of just chat about it regularly. So we're just we just want to talk a little bit about newspaper history because there's some really interesting stuff. We started this by saying that in a date just like today, January 22nd of 1901, Queen Victoria Queen of England and India, as some newspapers call it. She died. She's dead. She is uh, an incredibly uh, well-known monarch. She, at the time, was the longest reigning monarch, female reigning monarch just ever. And, I mean, we've all read our love books, our... (laughs) Our, our, our novel. The Regency era. Our, yeah, exactly. Bridgerton is based on this time. So, of course, naturally, this is what everyone, every newspaper was talking about. There, there's some really, really wonderful passages in some, in some newspapers essentially saying, the whole world is anxiously awaiting as the deteriorating health of the monarch is failing quickly <laughs> because from i'm sure you read some of this elena too but the health of the queen was not doing well for a while the interocean that was published out of chicago even went so far their morning edition on january 22nd 1901 was saying that the queen holds on she is doped up and the kaiser from germany is visiting her but she's fine everything will be fine the queen's in stable condition and then wop wop <laughs> they cursed her so queen yeah. vicky passed as only a- any monarch can hope to on a lot of drugs so much that they can't feel pain and whom's among us peasants at the time could dream of such a reality not i and surrounded by her whole family too right but yes people all across the world especially in in english speaking world are freaking out now because a very well-beloved queen 
is now dead. And what's going to happen? Even then, as it is now, things were a little bit tenuous. People were believing that the monarchy was just going to stop. We, we came across some, some stuff that said, that said what's going to happen? We don't know. So this, this brought a lot, a, a lot of, of, of talk, especially in, in educated, quote-unquote, societies, right, that, that are now confused as to what's happening. But we're not here to talk about that. I don't really care, Luis, you know? <laughs> Not really interesting, yeah. not noteworthy, not really what we're here for. And and listen, we're both advocates of not the monarchy, right? So Yes, we are anti-colonial, anti-empire. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to talk about what else happened that day. Because some, there's some big news that happened that happened exactly on the day that Queen Victoria died. So, uh, Luis, did you hear about Wichita, Kansas? I've heard of Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Um, I haven't been, but I've he- I hear it's lovely. Yeah, that's, so I haven't been either. Kansas is as flat as you think it would be. And so, ah. but in 1901, let me set the scene for you here. 1901. Okay. Wichita, Kansas. Mrs. Nations again smashes saloons. Okay. Yeah. Assisted by three other women, she wrecks two bar rooms in Wichita, Kansas. Revolver stops her. Victim points pistol at her head and chucks further ruin of his property. All crusaders are arrested. Leader agrees to a short truce with the police, at expiration of which she promises to renew Fight de Livier, a street address. <laughs> I think I was saying that right. So here's a story. Miss Nations, appropriately named just for a crusader, is a prohibitionist. It's 1901. The United States is about to enter... They're dry period, but not quite yet. Not without the help of Miss Nations and her accomplices. Miss Nations, Miss Carrie Nations, the woman who wrecked the Carrie Hotel bar, which is hilarious. Her first name is the same as the bar that she wrecked. Wrecked the bar three weeks ago. So this, she's already been someone who like wrecks bars and is like against prohibition. She comes back with her two friends, Lucy and Lydia. Oh, four, three friends. My bad. Lucy, Lydia, and Julia all came with her this time. And they are pertinent in social circles and highly connected in the temperance work. Basically, they are God's angels. They're doing God's work by trying to get the men to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And so their solution is to to literally break the glass of these bars wow. and be like, no, no more drinking. It's You've been pulled by the devil. It's sin. These little sin houses need to be shut down. And so... Mrs. Nations, again, this crusader, got these women to come with her and kind of go on this reign of terror <laughs> Incredible. against bars. And so it's this one bar that she's targeting in this tiny little town of Wichita, Kansas at the time. It's just an interesting one that temperance movement was the most exciting thing happening in Wichita yeah. at the, on the same day that our Queen Vicky was yeah. biting the bullet. But but here's the question. Did you say that she was released from prison? Yes. She did not serve prison time. Wait. So wait. So she did serve prison time? So, okay. She was, like, detained by a man in the bar who held a gun to her head, and uh-huh. that's when she um, kind of desisted. Okay. Um, but the chief of police, after having a talk with the women and securing their promise not to wreck any more saloons before tomorrow noon, decided that he would release them and let the country officials do the arresting if any was done. So so they got stopped by the cops for ruining a bar. And then the cops said, hey, don't do it. And she said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then goes and does it. That's incredible. Not only did he say not do it, he said not before noon. 
please. Like, <laughs> that's too early. I don't get up that early. If you want to wreck something afternoon, that's your prerogative. Yeah, if you show up at 3 p.m., that will be great. But, but please, for the love of God, don't go breaking saloons at 1030. Several drunken men threw cabbages at them and, and started Mrs. Nation on the run towards the depot. She ran three bo- blocks. Like, this is... Those silent movies where they're just like... They threw cabbages, right. Elena? Right, <laughs> right. Just Wichita, Kansas in 1901 was a lawless place. Everyone in Wichita, Kansas at that time just has cabbages at the ready just to hurl at, at ruffian women, mm-hmm. apparently. That's incredible. That's, 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 that's so fun that open protest was just kind of met with a slap on the wrist. Right. I think especially because they they just they're like oh, it's a woman what can she the do the finger wagging right? at the women yeah it's like oh come on sweeties let's not do this before noon tomorrow but I mean you can really you can really see how intense people were about prohibition or especially the temperance right. movement which was mostly led by women I read that and I was like oh shit like right now I think we look back at prohibition and we think. Oh, yeah, they just didn't want to drink. What a bunch of losers, right? Right. But no, I, I, I mean, think about it. It's, you have these women whose husbands, you mentioned it, all, their husbands are drinking all day. Surely a lot because it's Wichita, Kansas in 1901. What um, else are you going to do? No offense to Wichita. And so, you're, so you have all these women that are upset about their husbands going a little too crazy on the booze. And they feel wild enough that, they have to destroy these establishments. Because also, think about it. They're probably spending some of their money that's supposed to go to the family into alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's it's a righteous move. The economic, eyes. yeah, the economic toll that drinking took on a family is its own kind of beast. But the thing that gets me about this is it was a religious movement. These women thought they were guided mm-hmm. by God to stop their husbands from drinking alcohol. Like temperance is like this very much... A puritanical, like, moderation, you know, temperance is this, like, this virtue. And it's like they thought they were being <laughs> virtuous by asking their husbands not to go to the bar and go drinking, which, you know, you're coming into this hungover. Yeah. You are not guided <laughs> by God, according to Mrs. Nations. But it's like... Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can just imagine Carrie Nation just breaking down the bar I was in Carrie last night. Carrie Nations, yeah. And just like... Which, great name. So good. She was meant to do something and have her name in a headline, even if it just happened to be the yeah. same paper that was talking about <laughs> Queen Vic. Kind of got her thunder stolen. What makes me makes me very happy about this whole thing is how she got told not to do it, and then she said, okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to recruit two other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She says, screw you. Here's two more people you have to deal with. It's called That's organizing, incredible. babes. Let's learn from Miss Carrie Nation. <laughs> the power of gra- grassroots just protest well you know now that we're talking a little bit about kansas i think it would be a a a great time to talk about some intercity gossip because one thing that uh that we've come across while looking at all these old newspapers that everything that happened in your town was going to be put in the newspaper right and and that that can be big news like the queen dying little news like well, I don't know if Carrie Nation destroying saloons is little news, but you know, you I get know. The, you get my meaning. But then you also have the social pages in these newspapers where you just hear what other people are doing and you it's kind of now we would think of it as a little intrusive, right? But mm-hmm. uh 
it, it's just letting your community know what they're up to. So since we're talking about Wichita, Kansas, I actually gathered some of the social scene happening not too far from Wichita. It's actually happening in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, home of the University of Kansas. Here are some of the big, big news from Lawrence, Kansas at the time. Let's hear it. Did you know that on 1901... January 22nd in Lawrence, Kansas, the Salvation Army will give an oyster supper at the ball Saturday evening for the benefit of local work. So Mm -hmm. if you do local work, get some oysters, baby. Thank you, Salvation Army. Also, a little sadder news. G.H. Morgan, who is suffering from cancer, is no better. Is no better. God, G.H. Morgan. Which, hey, hey, sad news. However, just down below, Sam Apgar, who has been seriously ill, is able to be out again. Oh, love to hear it. Some good, some bad. And lastly, Lawrence, Kansas, as we all know, home of college students from then to now. And what do college students love? A little bit of entertainment. So uh, there was an event at the local YMCA of Lawrence, Kansas. The headline of this social ad, which is an entire paragraph, it just says, very poor entertainment. <laughs> Essentially says, Alfred Fowler was a substitute number on the YMCA lecture courses and made big appearances at the Opera House last night. His efforts at entertaining were painfully ludicrous, and the management felt much chagrined at the mistake that had been made in perpetrating Mr. Fowler on the people. It's good to know that people have been hating on student DJs since 1901. Like, nobody's ever supported their fellow student in his creative endeavors to be a artist. I don't think I don't think this is a DJ. I think this is just a straight-up professor that was supposed to give a lecture series. And Oh, so it wasn't a student. It was a professor. <laughs> no, it was a professor. And, and, and I love, his efforts are entertaining were painfully ludicrous. Painfully. And then the management, the management is disappointed that they had to, that they released this man into the wild to entertain Lawrence, Kansas students. So as always, students in general, not necessarily University of Kansas, students are the harshest critics that there will ever be. Yeah. They Um, are all thinking we could have been at that Salvation Army oyster dinner. But no, we're here (laughs) listening to this man try to have (laughs) painfully ludicrous entertainment for us. Now that we move past the social pages, I also have some news for you to share uh, to you. So Queen Victoria is dead. We all know this, of course. Yeah, big news. And Kerry Nation destroyed some some saloons. And I think I have the reason why Kerry Nation would destroy these saloons. Here we go. This is a headline and a news story from the Dubuque Daily Telegraph, Dubuque, Iowa, where it says, the headline, the big headline just says, not, and in quotes, touched. So not touched. Resident of Plateville got drunk and reported that he was held up. And don't worry, he had $7 with him, it says. (laughs) Visited several resorts and finally went to sleep in an alley late late last night. And the story goes that this man arrived in Dubuque. James Carson, a resident of Plateville, was arraigned in police court this morning on a charge of intoxication. Mm. Carson came to Dubuque yesterday to see the elephant. I'm not from Dubuque. I don't know what the elephant is, <laughs> uh, but he went to go see the elephant, right? I can t- It continues. He had on his possession the munificent sum of $7 when he landed in the key city and in company with a friend who knew the ropes, he set out to make rounds of the resorts. 
They fell in with a couple of giddy females with whom they had several drinks. Mm. Later in the evening, the females deserted their companions, both of whom were in a bad way from their overindulgences in booze. Hate to see that overindulgence. Along toward morning, an officer found Carson lying in an alley on 6th Street. The fellow was so drunk he was unable to give a satisfactory account of himself and was sent to the police station. When he appeared for trial this morning, Carson told the court that he had been held up during the night and robbed of all his belongings. He also claimed to have been sandbagged, but as his person exhibited no evidence of rough handling, the police were not inclined to place confidence in the story. And as the prisoner admitted having only $7 when he arrived in the city, his story of having been held up and robbed sounds more like a dream than reality. Pixar didn't happen, Carson. Come on. And it finishes a couple paragraphs down. It says, Justice Carney placed little confidence in the story told by Carson and concluded that 30 days spent in this county jail would teach him to be less extravagant in the future. He got 30 days in jail for laying in an alley and... He got 30 days in jail for wanting to hang out with his boys. Yeah. In, in the big some, city. Some drinks of, with the girls. Yeah, just do a little bamboozling in Dubuque, Iowa. Man, it's $7. It's really all he had, which is like, yeah. it's like a week's rent at a, at a hostel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, but just imagine, just you get so trashed, so sloshed even, uh, you wound up in an alley asleep. And when an officer comes to get you, you say, officer, I was robbed. I think that happens all the time and it doesn't become news. But I've been to Dubuque, lovely city. You have. And I love it. It's a lovely town, but it's a small town, really. Like, yeah. it's small. It's very tiny. No offense to anyone from Dubuque, but I didn't consider it a the party capital of the Midwest. I mean, really. Did it say where he was from? Like, you said he was traveling from somewhere. I mean... He was from. He said he was from Plateville, which was Plateville County, Iowa. Got it. So he's just a rural not, guy not roughing it up in the city, and he didn't have any street smarts, unfortunately. Unfortunately, and unfortunately. that's what happens when a when a country guy tries to rough it in the big city. <laughs> so just, just a small boy in the big town. Right. Now we know that newspapers survive on advertisements, don't they? They do indeed. And a lot of newspapers are are dying these days from lack of advertisements. Right. If they don't get funding, how are they going to publish? Exactly. But you know what? Newspapers have been this way for forever. And there's always been ads on newspapers. We're going to be reading some of these verbatim. Because one can say, Elena, we, the news we just read were brought to you by these ads. The news from the Dubuque Daily Telegraph were brought to you by Dr. F.A. Seaman, the renowned German specialist. The most successful specialist in the Northwest. The states of Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and California have granted him licenses to practice his specialties. He is a graduate of both allopathic and homeopathic medical schools and a graduate in pharmacy. He prepares all his own medicines in his own laboratory. He has an x-ray machine, the equal of which is not to be found in the state of Iowa, as it shows up every minute detail of the body. Businessmen realize the fact that Dr. Seaman can be depended on to fulfill his promise in every respect, and the doctor has among his patrons some of the most prominent businessmen who are his best friends. <laughs> the ad continues... 
Ladies, if you are suffering from persistent headache, painful menstruation, uterine displacements, pains in the back, and feel as if it were impossible for you to endure your troubles and still be obliged to attend your household and social obligations, there are many women doing this today. However, a great many have taken treatment of this specialist and he can refer you to those who have been cured by him. Give the doctor a call. He can give all the encouragement in the world and he will cure you if you trust yourself to his care. Dr. F.A. Seaman, the renowned German specialist. Dubuque, Iowa, baby. Man, all those appeals to authority, appeals to credibility. <laughs> Whatever those we appeals got. appeals to women, because women... Women. Uh, you know, women notoriously, notoriously ill. These news are also brought to you by Easton Fuel and Gas. Heat and cook with gas because it's economical, it's cleanly, it's convenient, it's easily regulated. <laughs> I loved that last bit. It, <laughs> it's just easily regulated. <laughs> Touch a match to it, it's lighted. Turn a valve, it's out. We carry a large stock of stoves, heaters, radiators, fireplaces, logs, ranges, and all appliances. Call and see them. Easton Fuel and Gas Company. These are so exciting. They're so much fun. <laughs> There's just so much less you have to say, like this one. Old underroof rye. If all whiskeys were alike, it would not matter what brand you selected when in need of a stimulant. But they're not alike. There is as much difference as there is in the people that use a stimulant. Old underroof rye is the best whiskey money will purchase. It's made right and aged right. Old, pure, rich, and mellow. What else do you need? Right to the point. There's a photo of a woman holding a, a whiskey decanter in this one. Oh, here we go. Keely Cure, for drunkenness and drug using. City reference to cure men and women. Correspondence confidential. <laughs> and then there's a phone number, or there's an address you can go to to get the Keely Cure. Very, not a lot of information here. Yeah, there's a Keely Cure. Does it say what it cures? Or no. does it say what it has Oh, it, it says has for drunkenness it? and drug using. So it sounds like it's ah. some kind of, you know, electrolyte replenisher. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it just doesn't say what's in it. It no. could be anything, really. You have to you have to send a letter. You have to send a letter to this address or telegraph Harrison 2345. Who's Harrison? Don't know. In order to get the Keeley Cure. Like the amount of... I won't even purchase something now if I don't know there's Yelp reviews and it's been recommended by someone to me and I can look up stuff on the internet. But they're just like, oh, I saw this ad in the paper. So I sent them a letter and they sent me this pill. Going to try it out. I think you, you're, you're going to a sunken cost fallacy going on right there, right? <laughs> You've gone through so much work. You've gone through through writing a letter to Harrison. Go through all this pain just to get this that might cure your drug use. It has to work, right? <laughs> you, you it was just cocaine. It was just a pressed pill of cocaine. It had to be. <laughs> what else cures your drunkenness? Lelena, do you have any any other news that we that that are important from the time? Well, my last ad leads into my news because Munyon's okay. inhaler is driving out grip, and I was like, "What the hell is grip?" But then I go to a DC paper talking about news at the time, and it says. La grip is contagious. Atmosphere impregnated with germs. I have to say, the layout of these newspapers, not very appealing. The language. We mm. journalists don't write like this anymore, Luis. The disease proved beyond question to be infectious and is rapidly conquering the country. Existence of grip germs, now an established fact. Like. Wow. 
Kind of that's, straight that's up language. So grip is a respiratory virus. It's essentially what this is. It's it's interesting. I'm, I'm uh, so in Mexico we call a common cold a gripa. Okay. So you say a that cold or like a slight flu is a grip. It says la grip is a dangerous disease. It attacks the system in its most vital parts. And it says something here. Maybe it wasn't this paper. It was a different one. Um, talked about Spain. And so that connection, I don't know if that was what it came from. At this point, we are 20 years away or maybe like 19, 18 years away from the Spanish flu. But in some newspapers from that time, they do call the Spanish flu the Spanish grip. So I'm wondering if this is the beginnings of that. Like it didn't ravage the world, but I mean, variants we know are possible. So this ad is essentially what warning you of the of the. So back to the inhaler, the inhaler of this man looking like he's smoking a bong, but it's an inhaler. And it says 50,000 now in use in Chicago, more than three million in the U.S. and Great Britain. Not a failure heard of. So they're saying this a single use of this inhaler. Um, can cure you of grip or, like, drive it out of your system. So mm-hmm. it says no pneumonia follows follows these cures. Oh, thank God. That was my number one concern. Pneumonia was the number one thing that people died of back then, too. Like, the fear of pneumonia was huge. Really? Yes. I, another one of the obits said a couple people died of uh, pneumonia. It was building fires and pneumonia were the number two <laughs> things. Wow. Everywhere you went in the U.S. in 1901, you, the people coughing or jumping out of burning buildings. Right. Yeah. So, so it, 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 it calls to reason that, I mean, you just kind of have to start thinking about maybe that pulmonary diseases are starting to spread around the world. But this, it, this is still a world that is generally limited in scope, right? People are still very local. There's not a lot of international travel. There's not a lot of even inter inter local travel right there's not no no travel from city to city except if you are from the rural parts of iowa and you want to go party it up in dubuque right but other than that there's not a lot of of travel so maybe we're starting to see cases of this flu already appearing or just regular colds appearing and it won't be until the internationalization that happened due to the first world war that we're going to start seeing the cases around the world. The World War, just the timing of it with the Spanish influenza, it was just like, this thing was already in communities in a little bit, but then once, yes, once the global conflict happens and people are traveling all over the world, it's like, oh, you're taking all your germs with you. And we know that public health and sanitation was not ever a priority of white communities. <laughs> and the dominant nations at the time just kind of, you know, covered it up with other things. Or if you're rich enough to take a bath regularly. And yet, we you still get kings and queens that die. Maybe because she was just old. But you know what? Still, Queen Victoria died today. But thousands and millions of people are still were dying around the world from similar things. She had the luxury of dying surrounded with family and the best care around. I was gonna that's what I was gonna say too. The yeah. best care. And it's like all these drugs she was on. It's like people hadn't even people have never taken any kind of treatment. And so these ads for these like small cures, an inhaler, a pill you can take to yeah. cure grip versus pneumonia yeah. or whatnot. And we gotta remember too, at this time, I mean, medicine is it's not terribly advanced right we are quickly moving past the humors at this stage but that's still very recent memory and you have all these snake oil salesmen selling fancy cures for everything 
including this bong that cures your flu, right? Uh, <laughs> or we have to be more weary of these people selling you smoke very, very clearly. Right? Yeah. And like, I was just thinking like Mr. Carson in your Dubuque story or Mrs. Nations ravaging the bars, the temperance movement, you know, the bars were just like cesspools of germs. Like part yeah. of that had to be about, hey, maybe we should just not go into these unsanitary social spaces which i mean after after like five beers everyone's like hey three-way kiss <laughs> you know right <laughs> how'd you get grip oh well i had too many beers so the cure here is to not cure <laughs> grip it's to it's uh prohibition elena i have i have one more news piece of news for you oh uh, please enlighten me i think it's i think it's quite fitting that we're talking about medicine but mm-hmm. uh, you know i think i think to to close some stuff off i would think we can we can end up with some local drama Ugh. some local gossip Can't some, wait. something that that it's comes out from romance novels now this is from the eastern pennsylvania free press the name of the of the newspaper is the free press january 22nd 1901 headline sues the family doctor lewis says he stole his wife's affections and the latter declares she was drugged <gasps> so the scandal here's what happened a sensational suit for $10,000 in damages was begun at Mount Holly on Tuesday against Dr. Enoch Bowlingshead, a well-known physician of Pemberton, by William H. Lewis, also a resident of Pemberton, who charges the doctor with having taken advantage of his position as a family physician mm-hmm. to estrange the affections of Mrs. Lewis. The love so doctor. Up to this point, he's suing this doctor for ten thousand dollars. Supposedly, allegedly, this doctor was seducing his wife, right? Mm-hmm. However, it gets it gets crazier from here. Mrs. Lewis claims that the doctor put her under the influence of some sort of drug that prevented her from distinguishing clearly the difference between right and wrong, and that as soon as she learned of the conditions of affairs, she informed her husband, who thereupon left her with the declaration that he would not return. Man. Mrs. Lewis then called in Dr. Hollingshead, who is a married man, and she alleges he desired to settle the case, but her reply was that she demanded that he should leave the county within 10 days. This he had declined to do, and she therefore directed her counsel to begin suing for damages. Dr. Hollingshead declares it is only a blackmailing scheme. Yeah, I say so with the doctor. So much. This is seeming like a little bit fishy. Like some kind a of housewife just fell in love with a love doctor and then said, you know what else love doctors can do? Make you not able to tell right from wrong. <laughs> and I think I think I think the 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 smoking gun here is how she apparently demanded the doctor to leave within 10 days. Right. The county like, specifically, we can not settle just, this. just get out of town. Yeah, yeah. We can settle this as long as you leave. And the doctor's like, why would I? <laughs> I, I, got I did patience. nothing wrong. Yeah, I, I did nothing wrong except for Adultery. cheat on my wife, which bad. It's just, right. you know, let's just say infidelity running rampant in these times. But come on, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. The drama of it all. I think my, my favorite part, just imagine the gossip that came around this. Just imagine what the rest of the town said. Oh, have you heard of Dr. Holingsbrook? Oh, he's cheating on his wife with Mrs. with Mrs. Lewis. But Mrs. Lewis is now saying that he threw some little potion that did that. Right. I, I just love it. 
And then the other housewife goes like, I heard that he gave the same drug to Mrs. Nelson and Mrs. Nelson hasn't come forward with anything either. But <laughs> And Mrs. Nelson left, left the county. <laughs> <laughs> and, but also, it's 1901. What medicine is causing this? Ether? <laughs> Ether. <laughs> right. Right. This magical drug had to be meth opium just get high out of our minds and she just you know she relaxed a little but she she can't relax around her husband the way she can relax around the doctor we're not faulting her for feeling feeling a little bit frisky it's the it's the accusation <laughs> hey it's 1901 what else are you gonna do you're gonna wait to die in a building fire no Absolutely i'm, gonna, have, I'm not. gonna sleep with my doctor i don't want grip <laughs> If I get grip, the best person to be sleeping with is my doctor. He can cure me. It's a, it's a bit of an insurance policy, if you will. Yeah, it's true. It's true. In other news, Luis. In other news, Elena, tell me. Besides the fact that grip is also ravaging Washington, D.C., there was a party of sorts. Oh. Let me, okay. let me find the headline. Here it is. Entertains its friends. The men's club of the Luther Place Memorial Church entertained a large number of its friends, both ladies and gentlemen, at an open meeting last night at which the Reverend Professor J.L. Ewell, D.D., Dean of the Theological Faculty of Howard University, <laughs> delivered an address Ooh. on the path of the Pilgrim Fathers. Professor Ewell had carefully followed this path in both Old England and New England, and his remarks were an entertaining resume of, doing, of the doings of the Pilgrims from the time they left their homes in England until they reached the shores the United States. The professor is a member of the Mayflower Club of Washington and a descendant of Governor Bradford, the first ruler of the Plymouth Colony. There is an organ prelude oh. at which Mr. E.C. Beatty, the chairman of the program committee, officiated, and Mr. Rogers rendered musical selections. Just a meeting of the boys, the men's club, talking about their right to the earth. They're just gathering. They're just gathering to talk about their rights. <laughs> well, I think a little bit is to flex their their generational ties to the land to old England and New England. Like they're still calling the, the Brits old. And then um talking about their ties to the Plymouth colony. Like I think you know, we can talk today about how much people throw the phrase around like the founding fathers wouldn't want this. This is not how they would want it. But people were direct descendants still and flexing that. Just like, oh my grandpa was Governor Bradford. When when does it say this party took place? The night before? Yeah, it was last night. So it would have been Monday, January 21st. Just a Monday night. What, it's also curious about this one, though. The guy who gave the lecture is dean of the theological faculty at Howard, which is an HBCU. And so mm. I'm just thinking, like, was he a black man descended from a white man and he was holding on to the whiteness? Or was he a white faculty member at Howard? Like, I'm just curious that tie as well so it doesn't so the 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 dean there doesn't say that he was a black man right it would say colored like in this paper they referred to like colored people yeah so i'm assuming he's a white man which i'm also curious like if it was an hbcu was it in 1901 like what was the faculty like if the students were black yeah let me maybe that's maybe that's the thing that the the students have probably been historically black always right but maybe right. the faculty Maybe they, they, they didn't allow for black faculty at the time. Right. right. I'm so, so curious about how it got to where it is today. Like, you know. It, it's interesting that it's this meeting of people talking about their proud European English roots hosted by someone from a university, an institution 
that was meant for, or that, that was created with the intention of teaching non-European descendants, right? Yep. If we're assuming he's white for the sake of our theorizing, it's interesting that in his free time, he spends his time talking about his, his roots to, to the Plymouth colony. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. Wow. Right? What, Entertains what his is... friends. <laughs> All the high the society, baby, was there. <laughs> Do you think this, was this, was this still back in the day when Washington, people from Washington, D.C. had fun Southern accents? I would assume, right? Like, D.C. is a pretty southern town. So we're like, talking about our Mayflower, baby. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's him. That's actually the that's voice the of um, Dean Professor J.L. Ewell. Rev- Reverend Professor. Man, he's got so many degrees. <laughs> Reverend Professor Dr. Ewell. Uh, or Ewell. First of his name. Probably. Daughter of dragons. <laughs> Breaker of chains. Breaker of Chains, Dean of the <laughs> Unif- of Howard University. <laughs> there we go. The theological whatever. Ready, Luis? Yeah, the I'm syrup so ready. of figs, never never imitated in quality. An excellent combination. California Fig Company Syrup Company. The pleasant method and beneficial effects of the well-known remedy Syrup of Figs, manufactured by the California Fig Syrup Company, illustrate the value of obtaining the liquid laxative principles of plants known to be medicinally laxative and presenting them in the form most refreshing to the taste and acceptable to the system. It is the one perfect strengthening laxative, cleaning the system effectually, dispelling colds, headaches, and fevers gently yet promptly, and establishing (laughs) and enabling one to overcome habitual constipation permanently. It's perfect freedom from every objectionable quality and substance and it's acting on the kidneys liver and bowels without weakening or irritating them making it the ideal laxative in the process of manufacturing figs are needed as they are pleasant to the taste but the medicinal qualities of the remedy are obtained from my god and it just talks about the aromatic plants california fig syrup company laxative ad on the same page as this thing about the men's club inviting the reverend oh wow well that's wonderful. I think I think that's a lot. That's that's a lot we learned today, and you can just tell just how much world was going on outside. I feel of... like we barely scratched the surface. I know, like there's oh, so much. But I mean, hey, the only thing that people are talking about from this day, I mean, right now, what's the only thing that people will be talking about? January twenty second, nineteen oh one, Queen Victoria dying. They're not going right. to be talking about carry carry nations tearing down saloons or. A man getting drunk in Dubuque, Iowa. Dubuque. Or Howard University's uh, interesting dynamics with with their origins. But this is wonderful. Or this, the doctor in Pennsylvania who is taking exactly, advantage of, exactly. of his drug. <laughs> yeah, his special magic drug. And I think that's that's essentially what we what we want to do here, right, Elena? Is is just we want to to shine a light on all the news that were fit to print, as some newspapers say. These news were important enough to be put in the newspapers along with the death of Queen Victoria, and right. and some of these, as we have seen today, also have. Can can inspire discussions and spark conversations even to this day. And the most advanced communication tech they had besides newspaper at this time was telegraph. Like we've gone pre-radio yeah. with this, essentially. I think. I think radio not... is is very 
rudimentary at this point. Right. It's not in everybody's living room the way it no. is in like the next couple decades. Like it will have its rise, but the telegraph exactly. referenced in so many of these ads too. Like newspaper, this is the thing that everybody's reading all the time. That's this. That's what we've got. And hopefully it's enjoyable and hopefully we'll keep doing this. Elena, I really enjoyed this. This is really fun. Yeah, you too, Louise. This is chaotic and fun. And I feel like I'm in a different... The the part of me that read historical fiction growing up is absolutely <laughs> loving this. Putting myself into the the fits of of the lady holding the whiskey bottle or, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's just, it's a whole different world. But it, it's fun to revisit it and know that really human condition has not changed. Whether it's affairs or drunkenness, we're going to continue to be human and we're going to continue to write articles and publish them some more valid than others. And you know what? We're going to continue seeing these years into the future as we are looking back now. That's all Elena and I have for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast that we are starting out. Maybe. We don't know. This is just well, something we've done. And just, just remember, all of these news are on the same page as Queen Victoria. She made history, and so did these people. So go out, go make some history. We're going to do the same over here. Thanks, everybody. 